When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Impact Theory. Today, we're gonna be talking about aging and your career, how to make the most of your life no matter what age you're at, how to push through limitations, get things done, get your head in the right place and accomplish extraordinary things, which I promise you can do if you follow some of the things we're gonna be talking about today. All right, without further ado, here are the questions. At Tom Bilyeu, You've written before about having no direction when you were younger until you realized a growth mindset and applied yourself. What was and how did you find the original motivation to see change and break out of your old patterns? I find that's one of the hardest things. All right. So this is, of course, a very complex um, answer to give you like every nitty gritty thing of how I ended up finally making that shift would be, it would take like a six part uh, docu-series, you know, of four hours each. but I'll shorten it to the the like trigger moment that really changed everything. So I go to my now father-in-law to ask for his blessing to marry his daughter. And he says no. And I was like, whoa, okay, well, at least you're being honest. And uh, I had said, look, I know what you see is this young, broke, undereducated kid, but I promise one day I'm gonna make your daughter a wealthy woman. And he was like, very kind, very kind. My father-in-law has always been extraordinarily kind to me, but he was nonetheless honest about that he didn't see how I was going to take care of his daughter. And he even asked me directly, he said, look, I have become very successful, my father-in-law, and I have given Lisa a certain lifestyle. And how do you plan to take care of her? And I was like, so full of that youthful, like, no, you don't understand. Like I'm going to become something. And then I had to reconcile that idea because she ended up saying yes. And then I found myself laying in bed four to five hours a day, every day. And I didn't have a job. And I was living in my soon to be mother-in-law's house and my wife, well, girlfriend at the time, fiance, uh, was working. And my one job was to make a sandwich for her when she came home at lunch. And there were times where I was scrambling out of bed to have that sandwich made before she walked in the door. And I was just like, this is gnarly. How are you ever going to make her wealthy? If you're laying in bed all day, you barely get out of bed fast enough to make her a sandwich at her lunch break. So she's already been at work for hours and hours and hours, gotten up, gotten dressed, ready, driven to work, gone, worked for hours, come back home to see you. You're scrambling out of bed. Your hair is a mess. You're wearing the same thing every day and not like in a Steve Jobs way, in a like, I'm too lazy to get clothes way. So you look like a bum, not doing your hair. I was a total mess. And I'm just like, how do I reconcile that I actually believe one day I'm going to make her a wealthy woman, but I'm not getting out of bed. 
And that was when I realized there's a difference between ambition, being a dreamer, and having drive and seeing those dreams to fruition. And so I set a rule for myself because I felt ashamed. And for the first time in my life, I didn't try to hide from the shame, but it was in this period that I started to think of my then fiance, soon to be wife, as a witness to my crimes. And I remember thinking when I was alone, I didn't feel that kind of pressure to succeed. I wanted to succeed, but I didn't feel pressure because if I didn't, nobody suffered but me. Nobody lived in the unfurnished apartment but me. Nobody had to sleep on the air mattress but me. But now my wife-to-be was going to be affected by whether I laid in bed all day or not. And that filled me with shame. And it filled me with shame in a way that I didn't want to hide from. I felt like it was right to be ashamed of my behavior. Not to think I was worthless, but to, to say I need to earn my worth. And so I set a rule, which is that I was going to get out of bed in 10 minutes or less. So from the time I realized I was awake until my feet were on the floor and I was out of bed was never going to be more than 10 minutes. And in many ways, that's become one of my most important rules. I live by it to this day, some 20 years later, that I get out of bed in 10 minutes or less. Doesn't matter. No matter what's going on, I'm out of bed in 10 minutes or less. And that one step got me to start working and it got me up and saying, okay, what are my dreams? What's the obstacle that stands between where I'm at and where I'm trying to get to? What can I do in the next 15 minutes that will move me closer to my goal? And I started doing those things. And it just became this routine, this habit to get up and get moving. And I never would have gotten there had I said something like, who does my father-in-law think he is to say that money doesn't matter you know, he doesn't know what we're about or what we want to do. And instead, I said, either stop saying that you're going to achieve greatness and recognize what you want to do is lay in bed. Tell your fiance that's the truth of who you want to be and where you want to go, which, by the way, is absolutely fine. But don't say you're going to do one thing and then actually do another. There's no integrity in that. And that hurt. And I didn't like the way that felt to recognize that I was saying something, but it was just rhetoric. I wasn't actually living up to it. And then it felt so good, so good, so unbelievably good to do exactly what I said I was going to do. And on a very long timeline, it finally made my wife a wealthy woman. So I actually did get this incredible moment, which will remain one of the greatest moments of my life, I'm sure, forever. When, Jesus, 13 years later, my father-in-law came to visit. And this is when I was at Quest. And there's 300,000 square feet, 1,000 employees walking around, protein bars coming off the line at like 1.5 million bars a day. And I said, Andreas, do you remember asking me how I was going to take care of your daughter? He said, yes. And I said, how am I doing? And he just started to cry. And it was so awesome. Like I said, he had always been so kind. And once we, he knew that we were going to get married, whether uh, he wanted us to or not, he never did anything but support us. But to have that moment 
for myself, for him, for Lisa, for it to all have been the result of a simple rule to get out within 10 minutes and start doing whatever my goals demand. And that was all it took. A little bit of shame acted on. How can you escape and start to do what you love without compromising your responsibility to your family? I'm a father who works eight hours a day, five days a week. Is it still possible for me to pursue what I love and how? I know I need to come up with an escape plan. I just feel it's too risky. Okay, nights and weekends, nights and weekends, nights and weekends. So I get it. Between working your job and the kids, it is not going to be easy. You either have to find a job that pays you what you're getting paid now, that's at least closer to what you love, or you need to find a way in your spare time to put energy into getting the skills you need to get a job that's gonna move you closer, or to start your own business or whatever. But when we started Quest, we were running Awareness Technologies, a software company, by day. So I was working a full, not like 40-hour week, 70-hour week. And then on top of that, doing all the things that Quest demanded to get that off the ground, literally, late night, with rolling pins in our hands, making these damn bars by hand. And it wasn't until they were profitable that we started to transition. And when I first transitioned, from awareness to Quest, I took a massive pay cut. So I took all my expenses, whittled them down to as close to nothing as I could get them. I sold one of our cars. And so I was at times having to bum rides off my employees. Lisa and I stopped going out to eat. We hunkered down. It was as inexpensive of a diet as you can get. No entertainment or at least hyper cheap entertainment. And just cutting our expenses to the quick as much as humanly possible and living off of as little as possible so that we could build that dream. And again, doing it where you're working 100, 110 hour weeks. It's just what it takes, but it was fun. So you have to get yourself where you know what you wanna do. And the thing that you want to do, the doing of it is enjoyable. So there should be amount of just joy in doing that thing. The greatest trick I have ever pulled was in the structuring of impact theory. So uh, exit quest, sell it for a billion dollars, never need to work again. And when you know what you want is meaning and purpose, you know you want to build something new, but you start asking yourself, I'm not going to turn this into something that I don't enjoy. So what is it that I would like doing on a day-to-day -day basis where even if I were struggling, even if I were failing, that I would love my day-to-day -day life and then I built that. So there is a job out there. There is a company out there. There is a side hustle that you can do that the doing of the thing is call it at least 70% joy. There's always gonna be overhead. There's always gonna be stuff that you don't enjoy doing. But if you can get that ratio to 70-30, you're laughing. But you have to be very careful about what you decide to march towards. That dream, test it out. You better actually like in failure the day-to-day. So we're struggling. It's not going the way that we thought, but man, I'm still getting to do this, right? At Impact Theory, if I were failing, I get to answer rad questions. I get to spend time with people that are trying to improve their life. I get to write manga. Like, come on, it's amazing. So even if I fail, my day-to-day -day is extraordinarily joyful. So that, as you think about building that escape plan, 
those are the things to think about. You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions, and I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing, and a big part of that strict diet is high-quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off, and that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com impact and use code impact to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're going to have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things, and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online, and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. 
How do you overcome the inner voice that keeps telling you that it's too late to redefine your life or take the time needed for redefinition? At 36, I'm scared more than ever to lose, therefore not trying. These what ifs are shaping my fears. Okay, here's the good news. At 36, homie, you are young. You are young. The average person lives at 78. So it's like, what are you? You're roughly halfway. So you've still got a lot of years left. To me, I think you can work all out. I work 93 hours a week. I think I can work all out 93 hours a week until at least 65. Now, I wanna stay in such great shape that I can push that. And by the time I get to 65, I'm like, 65? Why would I have to slow down now? 75, let's go. So doing the things that I love, making sure that I'm taking care of my mental health, making sure that I'm taking care of my physical body, right? I treat my mind and my body the way that LeBron treats his. It's like business is my game and I want to play this game for as long as humanly possible. So the real question is, what is it that you can fall in love with enough that makes all the fighting through the negative voice and all of that worth it? So that's number one, is just to recognize that you've got a long timeline ahead of you. But let's say that the person that's asking this question is 65 and they're like, oh my God, the technical revolution that's going on. I don't wanna have to learn this stuff. Stop. That's just being afraid of change. There is a process that you can go through that instead of being about change is about falling in love. But it starts with belief. Your behaviors follow your belief. And if you believe that you're too old to learn something new, then you won't learn something new. So what I want you to do is focus on how fun learning is. It doesn't even need to be this big change or swing in your life. Just the act of learning is fun. The second thing I want you to focus on is that when Nobel Prizes are won, they are typically won where two big areas overlap. So in reinventing yourself, you're not getting rid of all of your old experience. It's going to age you in ways that you can't yet understand. So for instance, I went from technology, building security software. Well, first filmmaking, right? Teaching film to building security software as random as you get. So seem like, oh, there's no overlap here. Then I went from, and what I realized was being a filmmaker made me a better marketer. Then at Awareness Technologies, I've learned all this tech. I've learned much more about marketing. Now I go into nutrition and I realize, okay, hold on. All the things that I learned about marketing and storytelling now go into Quest. And in fact, was one of the reasons that we grew as fast as we did was I was approaching content creation as a storyteller and not as a traditional advertiser or marketer would. And so I did that before other people were doing it because I had the experience in the other areas. Now, if I hadn't had the experience in those other areas that it seemed like I was leaving behind, I was just reinventing myself, then I'm sure that would have been super scary. But the reality was recognizing, whoa, like all of this stuff comes with me. I'm bringing this experience with me. And now as I went from Quest to Impact Theory, I've been able to see things very clearly. So take when we first started into comics, we were in physical print comics. We spent about four months in physical print comics. I realized how their distribution works. I was like, this is a joke. You have to be kidding. All my experience at Quest, you know, with like 40,000 points of distribution or whatever was massive. Tens, tens and tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of individual points of distribution. You get reporting on all of it. You know exactly where your product is going. It's incredible. So I was like, 
The way that they're reporting over here in the comic industry is a joke. You will never be able to sell very well. This is obviously going to die. So we immediately got out of that and went purely digital. Now, I wouldn't have had that insight had I not had the experience. So it's recognizing having a different belief about your previous experience, what your age means. If you let your age determine that, oh, you know, there's very little life left for me to live and I'm trying to retire by 50 or whatever it is story that you're telling yourself, you tell yourself a different story, which is that the more I learn, the more different areas that I can really develop some mastery in, the more likely I am to have fun and be successful as I go along. And that's a critical thing. And then the last one, this is a weird game. Are you ready for it? It's what I call the brain in a vat thought experiment. This sounds dumb, but the number of mental traps this gets me out of is extraordinary. So what I say, if I'm lamenting that, oh my God, I'm 45, like, am I ever going to be able to pull off the things that I want? I would say this to myself, Tom, for all you know, you're a brain in a vat and that all of this is an illusion. And I mean that literally that first of all, everything you see really is an illusion, your brain is encased in total darkness and yet you feel like you see all this stuff, but light never actually touches your brain. Let that sink in. And, but it's even possible that this is actually a simulation, like matrix style simulation. I'll let, you can do the research on that to see that mathematically, it's actually more probable that you're in a simulation than you're not. Now, I actually don't believe you are, but it's a fascinating thought experiment that has some credibility to it. So, okay, since this could be a simulation, what if, I just became conscious this moment. And everything prior to this moment is just programmatic context that's needed for my human brain to work the way that it's supposed to work. And so age is literally just a number. The belief that I have that, you know, I'm getting over the hill and it's probably too late for me and it's too late to, you know, reinvent myself and I've got mortgage and I've got kids and, you know, it's just irresponsible for me. Ah, those are all beliefs that were programmed in me to get me to act a certain way now. So if I could change those beliefs, it would give me different feelings and different behaviors right now. And since this is all just a simulation anyway, and none of those are real, I don't have to feel beholden to those. Now I know how absurd that sounds. Remember, I don't actually think we are in a simulation. I don't actually think that I'm a brain in a vat other than just the way that the human animal actually is. But running that thought experiment reminds you of one simple truth. Your beliefs govern your behaviors. So if your beliefs govern your behaviors, and by the way, beliefs are not recognized truth. They're simply choices that you've made along the way. Beliefs are not objective truth. You have to recognize that. So they're decisions that you've made about what you're going to believe in. So, okay, if these are just decisions that I've made, then I can make different decisions. I can believe different things. And if my behaviors are governed by my beliefs and I change my beliefs, then I will change my behaviors. And so that's what I would do if I were having a thought like that. And then I would just remind myself, I love learning new shit. So now I'm just gonna go learn something that could lead me down a path that I wanna go down and recognize that it's gonna take a long ass time. And that's fine because it's fun learning and getting better. How do you balance having a sense of urgency and being patient? These ideas seem paradoxical. And these ideas are paradoxical. So first of all, I'm not a big fan of being patient. So uh, I used to wear a shirt that said F patience, as in fuck patience. And 
when people talk about patience, I know what they mean. So I, I can already hear people typing in the feed that you have to have patience. And I will say this, you do not have to have patience. You have to play the long game. And the reason that I worry about patience is if you're trying to achieve something grand in your life, you're going to come up against an unrelenting number of obstacles. And an easy way to analogize it is a rocket and what's known as escape velocity. For you to escape the gravitational pull of the earth, you have to get going at a certain speed and then you can finally break free. If you cannot get to that speed and sustain it, you will never reach escape velocity and you will always come crashing back down to earth. So to accomplish anything grand, you have to get that escape velocity. That escape velocity requires that you generate momentum. To generate momentum, you have to move as, as if everything has to be done right now today. Now, of course, you're never gonna be able to do everything right now today. But if you're constantly like, oh, just be patient, things will happen in due time, it gives you a passive posture. If on the other hand, you switch it ever so slightly and you say, Look, most things do take an incredible amount of time. So I'm going to play this sustainably. I'm going to show up every day in a way that I can show up for decades. Okay, I'm not going to burn myself out or go so crazy that it's not fun. I'm going to love this. In fact, joy is a part of sustaining it. So I'm going to play this in a way that I can sustain that's full of joy, that gives me fulfillment, but I'm going to do everything with urgency. I'm going to do things as fast as I can. I'm going to be as bold as I can. And by being bold and moving with urgency, but playing in a sustainable way that fills me with joy and fulfillment, now I've actually got a shot of hitting escape velocity. Now, as I hit obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, I'm never accidentally waiting for something or someone else because I'm in a, hey, it's all good. You know, take your time. Fuck that. Don't be patient. Don't be a dick either. If people think that the opposite of patient is dickhead, then yeah, of course, I understand why you push back on it. But the opposite of patient is not dickhead. The opposite of patient is persistence, enthusiasm, joy, momentum. Like that's the opposite of patient. You always have to play the long game. You always move with integrity. You always go for the referral and never the sale. Because those are the things that actually allow you to go fast. I'm just saying, do the things that actually allow you to go fast. Stop thinking you need to be patient in order to be kind. Stop thinking you need to be patient in order to love your life. You don't need to be. Patience is not going to serve you. Anything that makes you passive is going to be a problem. Never play the short game. Never try to cram something down somebody's throat. Find a way to make this joyful. It's the only way to play the game for a long time. But never put off till tomorrow what you could do today and never put off till this afternoon what you could do right now and never do the second most important thing first. Ask yourself this question. What would I have to do to make my 10-year plan come true in six months? Shout out to Peter Thiel for that question it will force you to think of radically new scenarios. It's not about incremental improvement. It's about quantum leaps forward. Now, when you start thinking like that, you can actually build something big. But if you're prepared to be patient and let, let things happen in due time, things don't happen like that. The second law of thermodynamics states everything moves towards chaos. And the only way to defeat that chaos is to pour energy into the system. Patience is not energy poured into the system. Pour energy into the system. But do it in a joyful way.
How do I become so focused on my individual journey and goals that I stop comparing myself and translating the success of those around me to mean that I've failed? Okay, time for another silly idea that's obscenely impactful. Fill your heart with love. You've got to want to see other people succeed. You've got to get excited by that. You've got to want to help other people. When you have a heart full of love, you're excited to see other people win. You want to see other people win. And you want to beat them at their own game that you want to go head to head to them in a fair competition where you're even doing kindnesses and helping them and still win. Now you're playing the game right. That's going to put you in a position where emotionally it doesn't hurt anymore to see them win because you're like, fuck, I love that. I love to see good people win. I love to see people doing something innovative. I love to be inspired by what other people are doing. And I'm not going to judge myself through the lens of a moment. I'm going to judge myself through the lens of a lifetime. So maybe in a moment they're ahead of me. Maybe right now they're doing this better than me but I'm playing this forever. This is a forever game. I want to be in this for a long ass time. And so cool. I'm inspired by what they're doing. I'm stoked that they're winning. I want to celebrate that. It fills me with a light energy. It makes me feel good. I can connect with them more easily. I can celebrate other people. It doesn't always have to be me, which just attracts other people, by the way. People want to be around the person that's like, oh my God, you're killing it, man. That's so amazing. Look over there. This guy's really doing something special. And by the way, I'm super inspired by that. I'm learning from that. I'm elevating that. Then all of a sudden people want to elevate you. They want to help you. And when you're down there in the mix, people are going to come to your aid. Now, here's the important part. What you build your self-esteem around matters and it matters a lot. And if you build your self-esteem around winning or being better than them, that's a recipe for a miserable life. If on the other hand, you build your self-esteem around the sincere pursuit, the sincere pursuit of something. So I'm trying to build the next Disney. I'm trying to make sure that nobody makes it to the age of 15 without encountering a growth mindset. Okay, word. Will I ever pull it off? Disney has a 90-year head start and billions of dollars on me. So maybe I don't. Maybe I'm never able to pull it off. But I don't value myself for whether or not I achieve that. In fact, to value myself only for whether or not I have achieved it means I have to feel bad the entire journey. There's no logic in that. That doesn't make any sense. The whole punchline of life is to feel good about yourself when you're by yourself, to live a life that is full of joy, to be fulfilled. Okay, that's the punchline. It's not money, not wealth, not fame, not adulation, not winning. It's joy. So what I reward myself for emotionally isn't the having of it. It's pursuing it sincerely, not rhetoric, not showing up and saying, oh, I want to build the next Disney, but it's really just talk. No, no, no. I'm actively trying to figure out what skills I need to get better at, what people I need to get on here, what I need to fix in my approach in order to actually build the next Disney and actually make sure that nobody gets to the age of 15 without encountering a growth mindset. And I'm honest with myself about when I'm making progress towards that and when I'm not. And the reason that I'm so honest with myself, because that always stings when I realize I'm not, it makes me adjust course. It means that I 
have a much better shot of actually getting there because I actually am really, truly, sincerely trying to get to that goal. I just don't value myself for getting it. I value myself for sincerely actually showing up and doing the things I need to do to make it come true. And so as I struggle and fail and fall down and get back up and wipe the blood off my face and try again, that's the very thing that makes me feel good about myself. And when you make that subtle shift from, oh, I had to win to feel good to I had to play to win to feel good, everything changes in life. Especially when you can be like, damn, the person that just dunked at me, damn, that was impressive. And I'll give you a hint. I practice this with video games. Play a game called Destiny 2. It's a first person shooter. You're playing against real people. Sometimes people that teabag, which is deeply unpleasant emotionally. And and you can get close sometimes, so close you can taste it, you know you're gonna win and you lose and then they teabag you. And at that point, you have to be able to say, yo, they played well, they played well. I'm super impressed. I don't like the teabagging but I'm impressed. And instantly your energy shifts and it's no longer about poor me or I'm a loser. It's just like, damn, that was quality play. And then if you played badly, you don't lie about it. Like, yo, I completely messed that up. Here's what I should have done better. You take that to your real life and you'll have that same light energy. You will constantly refine your skill set. You will constantly get better. And over the course of a life, you'll see that you did something pretty special and that you only valued yourself for the journey anyway. That is one of the great secrets of life and a tremendous place to end. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Put those things to practice in your life. It will change you forever. All right, until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.